Welcome to the Nordonia Hills Branch Library podcast on nonfiction, a discussion of nonfiction specifically and reading generally. This month's podcast, You Are Not Special, and Other Encouragements. Ah, June. The magical time of year when many of us will be granted invitations to graduation exercises, where we can sit in attendance raptly listening to the speakers who share their aggregated pearls of wisdom for the masses, both the students as well as the audience. Listening to this dispensed wisdom in its vocal format has become a cliché, something to look forward to with apprehension and or dread. For the great majority of these commencement speeches and valedictory addresses is one of great googly moogly, when is this going to be over? Now that I think of it, a similar sentiment to some of my podcast topics. Francis Scott Key, anyone? Wonder of wonders, then, three years ago, when a nondescript high school English teacher took the podium in Massachusetts, a suburb of Boston, and delivered a commencement address, just over 12 minutes long, that was video recorded and then posted to the internet. And this teacher's speech struck a chord, going viral. Now, it's not on the scale of Gangnam style. There's not one billion views on this. But it's still healthy and respectable and dialogue generating 2.5 million hits on YouTube. And the title and crux of his speech was, You're Not Special. The teacher in question was the name of David McCullough. Now, if the name sounds familiar to readers of nonfiction, is because his father is THE David McCullough. David McCullough of John Adams and Harry Truman and the Great Bridge and the Path Between the Oceans and so on and so forth. David McCullough the Younger, at the time of his speech, was an English teacher of some 25 years' experience. And his speech, and the reaction to it, generated enough of a response and engendered enough interest that Mr. McCullough went ahead and expanded the thoughts on that speech into a book. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Here you have Wisdom for the Graduate and his or her parents, as well as a look at modern-day education and the nature of the competition that goes on in the schools. The book is called, obviously enough, You Are Not Special and Other Encouragements. Mr. McCullough shares his wisdom in ten distinct chapters. He layers his arguments, presents his observations, and gives his experiences in numerous different ways that all lend to the book's believability and range. David has taught at both public high schools and private high schools. He is an English teacher. Many of the experiences that are described in the book to illustrate his points come from the English class, obviously. And he brings a number of the classic authors in to illustrate his points, to provide counterpoint for some of the arguments that he hears today from students and, more importantly, the parents of students. His basic thesis is that students today are pampered and yet at the same time overscheduled, that their every waking moment is devoted in the search of some prize, whether it be the top-tier college or the scholarship, 
some sort of brass ring that they're always striving for, mainly because their parents are pushing them to strive for it. Now, he is a parent of four children, so he does not take issue with the fact that parents only want the best for their children. Rather, he's saying that without the schedule, without the pushing, the students sometimes are aimless. He believes that an entire generation is giving up interest in imagination and knowledge in pursuit of some sort of ill-defined or strictly defined purpose at the expense of everything else. Each of the chapters that he writes illustrates his thesis. Starting off with chapter one, Moms and Dads, he describes the concept of the second life, that philosophical thought exercise where you have one life to learn how to live and then a second life to do so and to live properly. Except in the reality is, we all just get the one shot, the one pass through. To some parents, their child is their second try, their second shot. All the mistakes, all the obstacles that the parents may have faced in his or her upbringing, they wish to remove, to make the way smooth for their progeny. And he progresses from those thoughts into a layered discussion about the nature of moms and dads and their proclivity to hover, to protect, to make sure that Junior is taken care of in all things. In additional chapters later on, he discusses the nature of school and assignments and all the different and myriad problems that are encountered in this environment. He discusses an entire chapter just on sports and the unique modern nature of the traveling sports team and how much time, effort, and, of course, money it takes up for these kids to pursue this goal in the hopes of possibly getting a scholarship to a D1 college. He has a chapter on the whole college admissions scramble, as well as another chapter on the pitfalls of affluence and how those with money sometimes are the most guilty of the nature of his complaints. Now, McCullough does not set himself up as some sort of arbiter of all things, this grand poobah on the mountain. No, he realizes his own faults and he is self-deprecating in his humor. He really does try to approach us in a humble and even-handed manner. He does not consider himself an expert on anything, but after over 25 years of teaching, he has seen, in his own estimate, over 4,000 students come and go through his classes. And he illustrates some of these points with wonderful anecdotes, one in particular that caught my attention. He discusses Herman Melville, the American author who is most famous for Moby Dick and Billy Budd. Now, Melville also wrote a short story called Bartleby the Scrivener. In my own school experience, I had the great fortune, if you could call it that, to have to have read Bartleby at least three separate times on three separate occasions for three separate classes. The crux of the story is that Bartleby, who works at a corporate office, one day decides that he would answer all requests with the phrase, I would prefer not to. It becomes a mantra throughout the story. So McCullough describes how he assigns Bartleby to his class while teaching English in Hawaii. The students dutifully go home that night, read Bartleby, or at least McCullough hopes they'd have, and come to class the next day. Whereupon, the teacher announces, Pop quiz on Bartleby the Scrivener. Now this quiz is not supposed to be some gigantic exam. It's rather one that he describes as, 
a breeze for the kid who has read the story and impossible for the kid who has not. As he passes them out to his class, he thinks to himself, if any boy or girl looks up at me and says, I would prefer not to, I'll take back their quiz, give him or her a pat on the back and an A in the gradebook, and move on to the next student. Easy to say here, because none will do this. McCullough uses this anecdote about Bartleby and the quiz to illustrate the nature of the students these days, their lack of imagination or inspiration, and how the current system is encouraging that loss. McCullough reasons that adolescents have never had it better, opportunity at least for some would seem nearly limitless in scope, but for fear that left to themselves children would screw up their shot at the cultural plums many parents have reduced to just about nil, their children's latitude for independence, for pursuing an impulse to explore, for taking a risk, for enduring struggles, experiencing failure, and figure out what to do about it. Parents and superiors and elders are all over students wherever they turn. They're overscheduled, overmanaged, overmassaged. The author also chimes in on the insidious nature of electronic devices and how they capture the young early. David states that it's beyond saturation, it's a redefinition of existence. Teenagers bring their devices wherever they go to the gym, to the movies, to the bathroom. Their phones or laptops or tablets are the first things they see in the morning and the last things they see at night. Now, if the book I'm describing makes it seem like McCullough is just some old crank, that's just not the case. Of course, being closer to old crank status myself, I may have a biased opinion. But as a reader, if you sit down and you go through this book, you should determine for yourself that McCullough really does try to be as fair as possible, and he only has the best intentions for the objects of his writing. If you sit online and you watch the 12-minute video, and you get the gist of where he's coming from at that commencement three years ago, and then you pick up this book, you are not special, and you read the expanded thoughts, the expanded reasoning, and all the anecdotes that he uses to backfill his arguments, you'll come away from reading this book with a pretty well-rounded picture of what it's like to be a student in 21st century America these days, especially if you happen to live in the suburbs or affluent communities. Now, seeing as this is graduation season, I couldn't just leave one book as the only pearl of wisdom to leave you with, so of course we go to the well, or rather the shelf, for yet another title. This is a recent book that just came into the library within the past month or so called How to Act Like a Grown-Up by Mark Dupree. Now where Mr. McCullough's book comes in at a very tight 302 pages, and believe me, it's a small book so it reads pretty quickly, Dupree's little volume comes in at only 134, and there's a lot of white space. Mark's book consists of 30 little vignettes, 30 little chapters, to encourage people on how to act like a grown-up. And the topics are myriad, everything from crossing the street to social media to interviewing for a job. He has a small chapter on Facebook, which can be summarized basically in his one sentence, a single stupid comment can take you out of the running for a great job, and you would never even know about it. 
Now, the tech-savvy youth and adults of today will know that the things that you post online can sometimes come back to bite you in the butt, especially when it comes to job hunting. The commonality of these two books during graduation season is that they do share accumulated wisdom that hopes to better the reader. The size and the scope of these books actually make them wonderful gift ideas. If you're out there struggling for a last-minute graduation present, either one of these books is pretty good. Although the You Are Not Special book, more in-depth and seeking a wider readership might influence your thought on whether to give it to the recent graduate or not. We hope that during this season, if you've celebrated a recent graduate by attending his or her commencement ceremony, the speeches you've listened to have been uplifting, moving, and memorable. If they haven't, you might want to give David McCullough a try. Congratulations to the class of 2015. And for those students who are returning to Nordonia High School or the other schools in the fall, we'll have your summer reading books ready for you when you come in to visit us. Join us again next month when we'll discuss another area on nonfiction. Until then, we'll see you at your Nordonia Hills Branch Library. Music by Twenty Riverside, provided by Mevio's Music Alley, music.mevio.com. Thank you for listening.